with rising billions, disrupting tradition, always be closing, gaining exponential wisdom from street smart strategies. I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Free your mind. Nothing happens till something moves. I'm a big fan of going all in on your strengths. Create your blue ocean. Innovation and collaboration with competition. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Creating uncontested market space. I worry that people don't tap into their strengths. Wealth creation and a new economy entrepreneur. There is a very thin dividing line between success and failure. Witnessing unprecedented technology. You can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold Show with Christopher Gumby and Alan Witch. Hi, it's Christopher Cumby with Think Bold, Be Bold. Here with my awesome co-host, my only co-host, Alan's in the house. I'm in the house. It's in a nice warm house today, too, on a really cold day with the snow all over the ground outside. But hey, having a fantastic morning. Chris, how about yourself? Having a great, uh, great morning. Uh, it's actually pretty warm down at the beach in Florida here, so I'm enjoying it. But hey, listen, you told me that you know, Portland was one of these places where, uh, you know, throughout the winter, it's, um, it, it's quite mild. And, and you actually said you should come and move here. Well, I Alan, think you should come I, and move here. I, I am not doing that, my friend. Bring a sled and a <laughs> pair of dogs. Right. That's exactly <laughs> what I'll have to do to get there. <laughs> yeah, very unusual uh, weather conditions hitting the Northwest this year. But I have a feeling... Have we're, a just, feeling. Uh, we're just starting to see some of the changes going on in our uh, in our ecological ecosystem here, uh, not just on the West Coast, but globally. So it'll be interesting to see how things pan out the next four or five years. What kind right. of changes happen in the in the weather patterns? But um, anyway, we're we're feeling some changes that we haven't had for forty years. But maybe right. that's just cyclical in nature. I don't know. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we have a great guest today. Uh, in fact, um, I'm excited. This is uh, one we've been waiting for for a little bit here and certainly just, uh, you know, an inspiring person uh, has so much, um, you know, smarts and just an incredible opportunity um, uh, just to, you know, be able to have some time with her today. And I know, Alan, you always uh, introduce the guests. So why don't we just get into it? Because I, I've got you know a few questions, obviously, and I know you do. And um, let's uh, let's bring her on in. Well, I think I think that's probably the exact thing we should do. We don't have too many prodigies on our show. Actually, I think she might be the the second prodigy we've had uh, on our show. And you know, I didn't even know what that term was until I was older. <laughs> uh, because I was never considered a prodigy, maybe a prodigy of what not to do. But, uh, you know, <laughs> don't Jessica, do this. No, don't do that. Jessica started she, when she was like, I think I was reading when she was eight years old. She was already learning how to code. And she had a mother that was an entrepreneur and and learning that from her family. And that's just, you know, a lot of kudos to, uh, you know, I my my parents gave me the best they had. And unfortunately, it just it didn't have a lot to do with with academia. It just wasn't the the generation that I grew up in. 
but Jessica was different. She was able to really, you know, she had a dad that was an engineer and, and mom that was an entrepreneur. And so I think she really learned and she really gravitated towards that. But I think she had some real natural talents. And she was, uh, you know, she had a web hosting company at the age of 12. You know, she launched, launched, she dropped out of high school and launched a company called Indonero at 19. You know, <laughs> by 2010, she had a million two in funding. You know, I, she's been called by Tech Press as the closest we've got to a female Mark Zuckerberg. Wow. And, uh, you know, Inc.'s. Inc. Uh, categorized her as 30 under 30. So I, yeah, she got a company called Indonero Tax Services for Entrepreneurs, and we're just very privileged to have her on the show. But without further ado, Jessica Ma, welcome to Think Bold, Be Bold. Thanks so much for having me. Really, really happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, and happy, uh, happy New Year, Jessica. I uh, hope you had a great uh, holiday season there, and um, you know now we're back at it, and I'm sure you've got a busy, uh, busy schedule ahead for this year. And you know, I just um, you know based on what Alan just said, and 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 as young as um, you still are, and and as young as you were, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and going after these things, where where did that all come from, Jessica? Like why? Why Indonero? What like what led you down this path? And and maybe give us a little background on, you know, where this uh, all stemmed from, and and how you you know maybe grew up a little bit um, as far back as you want, or or as uh, recent as you want. As of course, uh, we just I'm I'm just curious to see, you know, underneath the uh, underneath the hood there a little bit on uh, you know who Jessica Ma is uh, from a personal standpoint. Sure. Um... Well, when I grew up, I always knew I wanted to start my own business at some point. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do in the business world. But uh, over several years, like going through high school and college, I just talked to so many other entrepreneurs and business owners, and I realized how many problems they had in running their businesses. And that's kind of what inspired the idea for Indonero, because Business owners hate accounting and taxes. They hate doing it. They hate thinking about it. It stresses them out. Well, maybe you could build something that would actually fix that problem. And I, I always knew I was kind of different and I was a little uh, quirky. And I had a lot of trouble uh, sitting still in school. Um, so when I, when I was 14, I, I actually wasn't doing that great. I was just really bored. I thought school was pointless and a waste of time, and I was making more money than my teachers were through my business, and it's kind of hard to <laughs> sit still and listen to them <laughs> when when you're thinking about it that way. Um, that that would be called really daydreaming <laughs> in my era. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good when you're stepping outside of your science class or English class to take a customer support or sales calls in the middle of the day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is kind of awesome, actually. I love it. <laughs> and then bringing your lunch to uh, the library so you could check your work email um, <laughs> instead of hanging out and socializing with your peer group. Um, so I didn't have any friends for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all want to be your friend now, I'm sure. Uh, that being said, um, you know what? You know you 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 said. You weren't sure what you were going to do, but you knew you were going to do something. What got you, you know, here today in, in De Niro and starting that? You know, what led to that? Was there a specific aha moment? Was it, um, you know, walk us through that uh, sequence. 
Yeah, well, I started thinking about that different in air probably when I was 14 or 15 because in running my other small businesses, and they weren't huge businesses, they were like uh, low six-figure businesses, um, and and uh, I remember I really struggled to get a grasp on my own finances, and we had some cash flow gaps with that company, um, which ended up leading me to deciding to sell it to one of my customers, and and that made me think about how there's definitely an opportunity here because just just having accounting software doesn't fix your your cash management and uh, other finance problems. Right. So I've been thinking about that idea for a long time, and then um, I went to college early, finished um, undergrad at UC Berkeley um, when I was still 19, and then I decided that instead of wanting to get a normal job like everyone else, and, and my parents were actually proponents of that, they said, why not just take a normal job, be a little normal, take a few years, travel, work at a Google or a Facebook or something, and that just did not at all sound appealing to me. And mm-hmm. I also knew that I'd get comfortable with the lifestyle of being a corporate employee if I if I did that. And it'd be so much harder for me to quit and to start a company. So that's and I'm also super impatient. Like I couldn't sit still in school. I like had to get get a few grades and, and all that because I I'm just um I, I just don't want to wait. And and so that's why I decided to start my company right there and then. And um, we went through an incubator accelerator called Y Combinator. And um, I started with hiring some of my closest friends from college, which ended up being a disaster. Um, <laughs> Never are <laughs> your friends, the hard huh? way. <laughs> yeah, especially, yeah, especially your closest friends. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, we're still acquaintances, but it's hard to, hard to say we've, uh, hard to say that we're still friends um, with a straight face. So. Um, so that didn't work out so well, but, um, but yeah, I've been powering through on the business now for the past 60 years and we've grown quite a bit. We, we have like 200 employees, double digit revenues and a uh, nine figure valuation as of, um, a month and a half ago. And, um, it's been uh, pretty exciting, but actually still really stressful. Um, like before this call, we were, we were talking about founder burnout and I, I felt like I was definitely starting to feel a bit of founder burnout towards the end of 2016. And uh, it's a little fresh right now. It's only mid, mid, uh, mid-January 2017. So I'm still kind of reeling in from that a bit and reflecting on, on, um, on how to really run this marathon well. Because six years running a company, it's a long time. And, and, um, and I've been thinking about why people give up um, over the weekend, I was reading *Man's Search for Meaning*, which um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you guys read that, but it's it's, it's about a it's a really it's heavy book, book uh, covering yeah this guy who's a psychologist who um, spent a few years in Auschwitz and the concentration camps and just finding meaning and why do people power through and stick stick it through versus uh, give up and and those who gave up would die um, and and I, I kind of compared that the entrepreneurs played and and uh, I don't know maybe me I definitely put me in a in a really reflective place so anyway that's that's the mindset I'm in as I talk to you guys right now I'm, I'm chipper and happy but also reflective on, right. on that well I think that's a <clears throat> pardon me I think that's a real key for 
Uh, did I just say kefir? Kefir? I haven't had my kefir <laughs> yet today. Uh, I think that's a really key for entrepreneurs to do is to, is to do some self-reflection, but also to do to understand the need for, for pivoting. And Chris and I talk about this a lot in business. And a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, when they're starting a business, they're the magic. And what I mean by that is that the ideas in their head, the focus is in their head, and they and you, you support yourself and you surround yourself with people that can support and, and grow and develop and nurture your ideas and your visions. But a lot of them are solo. And there comes times in, in everybody's business when you have to pivot, either pivot for an opportunity or pivot to avoid uh, catastrophe. And sometimes the only person that's able to witness and, and see that is the entrepreneur themselves. And sometimes it, it hits them right smack in the face. But uh, Jessica, you, you've been able to pivot and you had to pivot with, uh, with your company. Uh, realizing that some of the software wasn't necessarily providing, um, you know, what what was needed, and and cash flows were, I know, were dwindling, and and uh, you know, you talked you talked about uh, taking your Ferrari head into a, you know to a brick wall, and <laughs> that's time for a pivot. That's time for a right turn or a left turn. Uh, walk us through that that whole process. Uh, is the aha moment, and then how you made the decision to go whichever way you went. Sure. I, I, I'll comment on the pivot story in that that was only the first of many more pivots to come. And um, the New York Times, Think Magazine, they talked about the big pivot. I had one. We ran out of money, and we had no choice but to pivot. And in that case, I think it's really actually easy to pivot because you're staring death straight in the eye, and the alarm bells are ringing at full blast. So you know you have to change. Um, there's no choice. And there's no money. And investors uh, aren't thinking too highly of me. Um, they didn't say it to my face, but uh, I know they were uh, getting a little concerned there. <laughs> and um, I remember talking to one investor maybe a year after the pivot, and I said, said like, why, why did you invest? Like, you, you knew that my first idea was garbage and wasn't going to work out, and yet you still gave me a lot of money and you said, well, I thought, I thought you'd realize it eventually and then figure it out, but you had to learn it the hard way. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I was a little, a little upset, but I, I thanked him for that and, and he and I are, are so close. Um, but yeah, we weren't solving a real problem is uh, the key thing. We weren't growing our revenues. We were, I mean, we raised over a million bucks. We burned through maybe 700 grand and um, maybe 800 grand actually, and we had mid-five-figure revenues to speak of, which is embarrassing. It's really, really embarrassing, and there's no way we'd raise money on an up valuation, and that was, uh, that, was, that was painful. So I went around and I visited customers. I went to their actual offices, and one customer said, Jessica, like, you're not charging me enough money, first of all, and second of all, um, if you just did my accounting for me and my taxes for me, if you actually filed it all, then I would pay you like thousands of dollars a year instead of a hundred bucks a year, like I'm paying you today. And that was the aha moment. And I don't think I would have gotten that insight if I had just called him on the phone or if I had sent him an email survey. I had to physically be in his office and to watch him go through um, this whole story in his head on like why uses in the narrow and what he would pay more money for 
And I think I did ask him point blank, what would it take for you to pay us more money? And, um, and I, I'll always remember that customer. Um, he ended up signing up two or three companies onto Indonero down the line and spending tens of thousands of dollars with us um, over uh, the course of the past few years. So um, that, that was quite the turnaround. <laughs> Well, that, that, that's funny. I want to hang on that a second. You were already doing more than he had expected. You were already doing the, the more than what was uh, required for the financial you know, gain that you were getting. And I think that's, that's a huge note that you wouldn't have known that had you not been face-to-face -face and gotten to know your customer and risked that. Because I don't think anybody else in the company would have done that, but that was a pivot point that you had to to look in the mirror and say, "I've got to get up, feet on the ground, and talk to a few people and find out if it's bad, then it's bad. If it's great, it's going to be great. But I've got to know because until I do, I don't know which way to turn." So kudos for you doing that, whether it was forced or whether it was by choice. You made a great move, and some fantastic results came from that. And um, I'm assuming after that you restructured your uh, your your fee plan. Uh, I absolutely did, and uh, it worked out okay to start. Uh, the issue was even after we restructured the fee plan, we realized that we were still losing money on a bunch of customers, and our customers paying us the least amount of money would cost us the most in terms of customer support needs. And that wasn't sustainable either. So I had to pivot that again. And then as we grew, we had our biggest customers were, would leave us because they would outgrow the solution. So I had to pivot again and offer a solution for our bigger customers. And, uh, you know, I'm still pivoting every day here. I'm pivoting right now because I have some customers who would um, complain about how they want to have the ability to uh, stay with their original CPA instead of moving entirely on in an arrow and giving up that relationship. So now we're building a solution to partner with accountants instead of competing with those accountants. So, so I think this notion of one-time pivot and then your business is saved, hooray, and then you make like these magazine covers and, you know, you get 30 under 30 awards and all this great stuff, that's, that's just not really realistic. Um, yeah. I think the company is always pivoting and it's, less sexy to talk about, but it's almost more important to talk about the leader stage pivots. Oh, I totally agree. And I just want to say, Chris, I know you're, you're dying to, to jump in here, but I, I just want to say kudos to you for following your client. Kudos to you for, for knowing your client and to understand their needs and to follow with a service, not just because you know that you might lose them, but because it's the right thing to do. And you provided a service and you, and you had clients and you really tracked what they needed as they grew. You helped them grow, and as they grow, new things come about on their plate, and you provided a new tool. Is it frustrating? Yeah. Is, it, is there entanglements to growth and to pivoting? Yes. But in the long run, you're constantly serving your client, and that's a very honorable track to take. And I just want to say kudos to you for, for seeing that and for doing that and for continually putting yourself in a, in a position of flux to where you are going to serve your client, what 
the best you can with whatever comes up in your genre. So just, you know, as you're going here, and I know it's the frustration, understand that you're doing the right thing, Jessica. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. And I, I highly encourage everyone to go out and visit their customers in person, ideally. It is key. It is key. Hey, Chris, what you got next for Jessica? I I agree, you know, from a perspective of, you know, asking your clients, visiting your clients and, you know, the fact that you uh, had a, you know, major epiphany uh, come about is, is, is definitely the, the reason why you would want to, because they're going to give you the full um, disclosure on, you know, what it is that uh, you can, you know, perhaps help uh, further on. And, and that's what you do with your company is you help people solve problems. And I think that that is, you know, where uh, a lot of people, um, when they're looking at their business and their audience listening in, you know, as an entrepreneur or, you know, C-level executives looking at your business and, and you know, maybe asking that question, do we know enough uh, or are we connecting enough with the client or end users uh, if it is a service? And uh, do we, you know, take enough stock in the fact that if we're providing a product, um, do we know how our clients or customers feel about that? Um, Jessica, you know, walk us through maybe in the last little while, um, you know, maybe three lessons that you, you know, learned or, you know, let's, let's just pick one. What major lesson in the last year have you learned by, uh, where things were, let's say at the beginning of 2016 to the end of 2016, what was, what was a major um, lesson learned uh, through through your adventure in, in either personally or within the company. Um, like to always dive in and, and ask different questions. Uh, you know, certainly through this uh, through this show. But that's one that I'd be interested in, knowing that you've had some you know tremendous success. But you know, obviously with that came some challenges. But what's something that you you know a major lesson that you learned through all of this? Yeah, sure. I'd say, so 2016 was a pretty difficult year uh, professionally for me. Uh, we came off a super high high of 2015 where we um, raised a lot of great money. Business was growing like a weed. We just had our, our Inc. Magazine cover story come out and things were just amazing. And we came into 2016 thinking, oh my God, like we're going to be like taking off like crazy again and and it ended up being a really tough year for us. We made a lot of execution missteps and we had trouble adapting to the marketplace as quickly as we had in prior years. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that I didn't really have a good system in place for seeing what my team members in the company saw. Um, so a lot of them would would talk to our clients directly and say, hey, we should do this, we should do that. And their managers wouldn't necessarily take that feedback into account and do anything about it. Or um, actually, more importantly, in early 2016, we didn't have managers for a lot of teams. So most, I'd say like two-thirds of our workforce was essentially self-managed. And I don't believe in self-management because it leads to a lot of chaos and um, uncertainty and lack of process and lack of accountability, which is what we experienced. 
um, firsthand, so, so I, I don't really advise it. And, and what that led me to doing today is having what we call a monthly pulse survey in that we have people send in their raw feedback on the biggest challenges that they are facing in the company um, and where they think the company can improve. And so I get 200 of these responses now every single month, and I read through the comments, and I reply to many of them. And it's helped us unlike anything else I've done in the past year because we can move so much faster and because team members don't need to go through any hierarchy or bureaucracy. I mean, I hate to say the word bureaucracy and hierarchy because we only have 200 employees, but, um, but that's what starts to happen, um, especially if I have, like, a VP who has a director, who has a manager, who has a team lead. Like, it's just a few layers deep, and I want to hear feedback directly from the troops, just mm -hmm. like how I want to hear feedback directly from my customers. Um, I forgot to do the same with my employees in 2016, and it really bit me uh, really badly. And so now I encourage all my CEO friends to, to do a similar monthly survey. You can't do it annually. Annually is just not often enough, and quarterly is pretty bad as well. The key is monthly. The key is replying to the, to the feedback directly to employees, and the key is, at the all hands, to talk about all the things you're doing differently because of the feedback that came from the full survey. We just had our all hands last night, and I got feedback that it was the best all hands he'd ever had because I'd mentioned the term pull survey no less than a dozen times in the entire 45-minute-long um, all-hands meeting. And I talked about a bunch of things that we're doing differently with team structure, with compensation, with stock plan, with, um, with culture, um, with our products, you name it based on what I heard from these full surveys. Um, so if I, if I had to boil it down to a single thing, I think, I think this, this would be it. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And, you know, I'm just going to make a quick comment on that, you know, from the front lines and, and getting really, you know, down deep within your, your organization. Um, reminds me of something that, you know, I learned uh, as well when I had several hundred uh, reps and one of the things I realized is that expectations versus co-creation are so different. And when you allow them to express ideas or take ownership or provide feedback, you're more in the co-creation standpoint uh, versus expectations. Because I, I often find that expectations get broken down and are often not aligned. But when you're co-creating... It's, it's an opportunity to, um, you know, really make an agreement with uh, everyone. And, and I find that when people make an agreement versus that is based on co-creation versus expectation, it makes such a difference in the organization uh, because they feel like they're, you know, part of things. And they feel like when they see something change, uh, for instance, you know, let's take, uh, you know, circumstances where you did one monthly, uh, one month you got some feedback, and then ultimately um, you may not be able to change absolutely everything uh, that quickly, but at least people 
um, who made suggestions see some of that change and then everybody starts to see that in the organization that you're listening and, and I think that, that is part of co-creation and that a lot of companies to your point that you recommend now <laughs> to do these things is I think a lot of them are missing that you know especially leadership is um, you know more leaning on the expectations of the agreement versus the co-creation of the agreement where everybody then you know, plays a, you know, integral part in, in the growth. So um, uh, just something I, you know, came to mind when you, when you were talking and uh, I just wanted to bring that point. Alan, um, what do you say, my friend? I, I, well, I just want to, to, to tag onto that. And once again, uh, you know, Jessica, kudos because you're engaging your, your, your right. employees and they're relevant. They're relevant, not only in the marketplace, but they're relevant in your eyes which is where, for the most part, where people want. They want to know they contribute. And like Chris said, they want to be part of that. And when you've got synchronicity in, uh, in creating that, then you've got really some, 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 great, uh, some great fuel to be able to grow when, when other opportunities come your way. And uh, I, so I, I think that that's great. And a lot of people don't do that. It sounds like it, it should be a real common exercise. But a lot, of, a lot of entrepreneurs don't. They don't listen to their staff. They don't listen to their partners that are collaborators, people that also serve the other, you know, their, their client demographic. And they don't follow. They don't trust. And that might be a big case is they don't trust it. But uh, you've gone past that. You do not only trust. You, you enlist their help and their guidance, um, even if it's through evaluation. And uh, they become part of the, uh, not only the destination, but part of the journey. And that is a, a very big strengthening piece of the company. So kudos. But I want to take you in a little bit different direction here. Um, you know, Chris and I talk a lot about, you know, on and off, on and off the microphone here about really understanding your target demographic and what that really looks like. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when they start, they try to market to everybody and end up marketing to nobody because they don't hone in on the, the, the requirements and the skills and the challenges of a particular demographic and serve that well. Unlike what you do, you, in fact, follow that. So I guess I want to give you an open mic and, a, and kind of a really open opportunity here to define for us and, and for the listening audience, who is your target market? What's their DNA? Uh, paint that picture for us. Yeah, happy to talk about that. Also because I've had some problems with this and this is an area where I've had to pivot. Um, and I'd like to say that our early target customer which were basically other tech startups like ourselves. So ideally, they had raised some money. They had two to ten employees. They were based in the Bay Area or in New York. Um, their age was between 25 and 45. Um, it was pretty specific, and we got a bunch of those people to sign on, and we did a killer job marketing to them because, you know, it's hyper-specific, and they all know each other. Um, the problem, though, is that these businesses, a lot of them, go out of business. So uh, we were good at targeting them, but we weren't really good at uh, retaining um, this high-risk customer base because they're out of business. So we, we pivoted our target customer base uh, soon after that to go for more of the professional service firms. So um, we did have that in-between period where we thought, all right, let's open the gates to anyone and see what, what sticks. And we really struggled there because we had, like, restaurants, we had, like, warehouses, and we had, like, factories, and we had research firms and PR firms, and it was just 
chaotic because we didn't know how to sell properly to each vertical, and our product team didn't know how to build the best product for any one group because each of these different types of businesses would need way too many um, varying things. So, for example, if I sold to, like, a toy manufacturing company, they need to have lots of good inventory data, and they have to really manage their, their cash flow super tightly, whereas the PR firms and the law firms who we have on board in and out, um, and that's more of our sweet spot customer today, they care more about their margins, cost, um, um, costing per project, and other things that, you know, the toy companies wouldn't care about. And, um, and so that, that was something we did struggle with um, for, for a good year probably. So I think, I think it's great that you bring that up um, to your listeners. Um, I've, I've, I've had to learn that one the hard way, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you know, I think learning it the hard way, though, it really sinks in. You really understand. <laughs> so, so don't <laughs> knock yourself around for that. Plus, in, in, in doing that, though, you were able to not only, you know, I mean, let's say what it is. If you don't have a, a black P&L, you don't really have a, a, a growing company. The whole idea for a company is to be able to grow the company to where the company makes money, the employees make money, and the investors make money. And you can grow and adapt for your customer base and make that large. You gotta have, you gotta, you gotta make money in order to make it work. And so you've gotta find that demographic that, that you can serve the best. And you, you did that. You know, once again, Kudos for doing that because a lot of people still try to serve everyone. They end up serving no one and they end up failing, not pivoting. And once again, you're the pivot master. So again, I take my hat <laughs> off to you. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think the real lesson there is, uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, we could read all the books we want. We could attend all the classes, listen to all the podcasts in the world. And we're still going to make mistakes. Our businesses are still going to struggle. And we're just going to have to pivot accordingly and be okay with the idea that we're probably going to have to do micro pivots in the dozens of times before we uh, figure out the optimal solution. And that is totally okay. That is accepted. And, um, and everyone else is doing that. I think that's the real, the real key here. Yeah, sure. you've, you've embraced that. And, you know, with the changing economy, and economy's always changing, so that's nothing new, even though everybody likes to use the term new, changing economy, and the new economy. I think that's really overused now. But there is a lot of flux, and things are, are with the technologies and and uh, and such, there changes happening on, you know, at really fast levels. And it's creating opportunities and environments that uh, weren't present six months prior. So being able to, you know, to, to pivot and shift based on, you know, what's, uh, what's being developed, not just problems and solutions, but new things that are being developed and how do you address that, I think is going to be a big characteristic uh, for any kind of a startup or any kind of uh, any, anybody that calls themselves an entrepreneur really has to be able to understand what's happening in their market and, and research beyond just their industry. So I, I guess I want to, and Chris, I'm going to take your thunder away or, or take another spot here. But Jessica, what kind of research do you do um, outside of your ideal market to, to kind of trend map or industry map where things are heading in the economy to know where to put your focus? Um, well, let me talk about some things where we're doing it in an arrow to figure out where we want to be, not just in the short term, um, because it's easy to look short term, but to look three to five years out. 
Um, and for us, um, we compete with accountants and accounting firms. And um, they have a pretty good outlook for where the industry is going um, long term because they think about it all the time. And so I've gone to these accounting conferences. I've talked to uh, in the many dozens of uh, professionals running their own firms in our industry. And we talk about it um, several times a year together. And um, at least for our business, um, we're finding that companies like Indonero are going to eventually uh, displace bookkeepers and the lower-end accountants, and that's going to have a lot of um, a lot of downstream effects for the rest of the accounting industry. So um, the solution to that, we believe we have a good uh, thesis for, and we're working on that. Um, but I think the real point here is that. Um, other people have the thoughts and ideas and have thought way more about the future of our industry than we have. And I think we could get creative about it, but it's easier for me to just go and network around and to take time to get out of my office and to take a lunch with someone else running a competing firm and to get advice from them and to, um, to really shoot it with them. And, uh, and so I, I spend uh, at least a good chunk of time doing that now, even though it might not be directly relevant to my today. Um, or my next quarter's business. Smart. Yeah. Very smart. Very sure. simple. Very smart. Keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on. You have to. I mean, once once you have, like, a big team, right? Um, and you guys know this. You've done it before. Um, you, you should trust them to run the day-to-day. -day. And, you know, as a CEO, a lot of your work is thinking, how do we position the company for success one, two, three, four, five, or 10 or 20 years out from now? And um, and so we're we're really allowed to um, to put ourselves ahead of ahead of things a bit. And if we can't do that, we're not doing a very good job being CEO. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of CEO, I've got a question for you, Jessica. You know, not too often uh, are CEOs both of these traits, and the traits I'm you know referring to is both strategic and tactical. Um, where do you feel um, you fit out of, you know, three options? Being a strategic CEO, a tactical CEO, or both? I definitely put myself in the both camp, but I think it really would be more fair to say that some weeks I'm uh, hyper-tactical and some weeks I'm hyper-strategic. And it's incredibly difficult for me to be both within the same week. Gotcha. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I don't know how, how you guys feel about that, but the context switching is it's really challenging. So I got to say, all right, this week I'm just going to think about the industry. I'm just going to think about products we're going to build two, three, four, five years out. I'm just going to think about long-term financing needs. And then the next week, all right, let's get into the weeds. Let's talk to the employees. Let's talk to, let's talk to the customers. Let's talk go through the metrics and uh, look at our numbers and figure out what's going on. And it, it, it's just, I think, important to bucket your time um, um, in a more focused way. I love it. Great answer, and thank you for that. Horizon, you know, where, uh, you know, where do, what does it look like for you um, going into especially, you know, a new year and – you know, looking forward, and, and obviously you gave us uh, some insight that, you know, you often think about, okay, you know, three, five, ten years out, 
What does it look like for you, um, and not necessarily to do with just business either, what's on your horizon, um, you know, maybe personally as well, if you want to answer that? Uh, yeah, well, I'll start with the business stuff. I'd say that, um, I'd say that over 2017, we're going to start executing on some of those projects that won't really benefit the company until three, four, five years out, and I think that's going to be really fun, and I think it's really important even if it doesn't uh, get get short-term results um, but I think personally um, I'm excited to I know in an era won't be my only rodeo and uh, and I think pretty much everyone in my company knows that by this point it's, it's kind of like this, uh, this it's like a secret that everyone knows <laughs> but no one wants to talk about or admit and, sure. and I think I'm I'm trying to be more open to admitting that that Indonesia is not going to be the only thing for me, right. and so I'm looking at doing. I'm working on a few other projects right now. Actually, um, I've got a few other companies I'm looking to get off the ground and hire CEOs for, um, and and put that into my my personal holding company. So that's that's the big thing I'm working on. Um, and then I've got some other charitable work I'm working on. So one one of them being that I noticed that a lot of a, a lot of my other CEO peers. Um, they've been incredibly successful with their businesses, and they don't know what they're going to do with their newfound wealth. Um, like, you know, they already bought their airplane, or they upgraded their house, and like, now what? And over dinners, I'd ask them, like, look, you've got a few hundred million bucks now, or in one case, you've got a billion bucks now, and, uh, you know, how, how are you going to really improve the world? And most of my friends are like dumbfounded when I ask them that question. They really don't know what they're going to do. Um, and so I'm starting to put together a group of all my friends um, who had been really successful and get them to really commit to, um, you know, giving their wealth away similar to what Gates uh, and Buffett have done with their uh, billionaire pledge, um, only that we're working with uh, people who aren't necessarily billionaires yet. And uh, we're going to help them um, put in more time and bandwidth and thinking through how they're going to improve the world, either through their business. They could, you know, do a nonprofit arm through their business. They could give their money away. They could, like, actually actively help out. Um, and, and so that, that's a big thing I'm working on right now um, that I'm really excited to share. I love that. I love the philanthropy. Um you know, view and, and, and the fact that, you know, again, you're a creative person and this is not, you know, where it's just going to stop and obviously you're going to see things through. And um, I love the fact that it's, 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 it's something that everybody knows, but no one really wants to admit to. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just uh, obvious um, that you're going to continue growing, uh, you know, as well, you know, through your life and, you know, where you land and things like that will, uh, will be definitely uh, exciting to see. So um, please keep us up to date for sure. And, you know, this show is, is so funny. And, Alan, we, we do have some time, obviously, to, um, to ask another question. But, you know, this thing goes so fast, Jessica. We always say, you know, people think, well, you do an hour show and there's a lot of half-hour shows. And we just don't know how we'd be able to do a half-hour show with, with people like yourself. So we've always said, hey, we're going to let it rip. We're going to let it ride. Um, we'll try to keep it within the 60 minutes. And it just happens so quickly. So appreciate all your insight and kudos to absolutely everything um, that you've created to date and 
and, and the fact that you know that lonely child um you know that creative child and and, and not many friends but I, i'm sure like you know you're just <laughs> such a likable likable person that um uh you know you had these things going on in your mind very young and and, and obviously that just came out in, into the creative world and, and you created something pretty amazing so kudos to all that you know i i just i think you're just such a likable person talking to you so i just wanted to thank you for uh taking the opportunity to uh to spend some time with us for sure Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been really fun, and uh, and and I re I really enjoyed sharing all this stuff with you guys. Well, it is. Uh, I I I just turned to our clock on our conferencing <laughs> page, and we're on minute. We're we're we've, we're in a minute fifty-two, which I didn't think was the right. case, but but it is. But that being said, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, our sh it's our show. It's our show. We can do what we want. Um, I just want to say, I, you know, we're we're giving you lots of accolades, and and it, it's we don't always do that. And but I just want you to know, Jessica, like Chris said, you're doing things correctly, at least through our eyes. And you know, at you know, at our ages of having lots of scars and bumps and bruises, you're doing things correctly. And you know, I wish I knew at your age what i know now or i wish i just knew at my age which you know yet now at your age if that makes <laughs> sense um life would be completely completely different but you really do understand the entrepreneurial hat right. and i guess a, a question i want to ask and i want to put you on the spot a little bit and feel free to say well whatever you want to say but um you know you do give back and you know Chris and I are, are always you know thinking in the back of our minds the the new waves of, of entrepreneurs that are that are that are starting now and and you know maybe they come from an employee status or maybe they're young and they come from just you know having ideas but uh, we're gonna start working with real young entrepreneurs um, I don't, don't don't know what that looks like yet um, Chris and I have started to talk about it, but we don't have necessarily a game plan down. But there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are just starting that need guidance. Would you uh, be con would you consider coming back on the show or working with us somehow in putting together something for young entrepreneurs, kind of a game plan, maybe an environment for them to uh, participate in that gives them some of these inside accesses uh, they might not normally get? Would you be interested in something like that? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be very. Actually, I I already spend a good chunk of my uh, charity time, as they call it, on mentoring up and coming entrepreneurs who are just getting off the ground, and um and I do I do one on one mentoring with many of them too. I don't just speak uh, in groups. I I like coaching them one by one too. So I love to do it. Already do it, and looking for more. Super, super. I don't know what it'll look like, but. We can create something because uh, I think it's a high need for it out there. There's a lot of there's a, some challenges happening in the marketplace that uh, you know, kind of fabricating the entrepreneur, you know, taking somebody else's knowledge and wisdom and uh, marketing it as you know as the end all, the be all. And I, I I think that's happening to an awful lot of people, and they're not really understanding because nobody's necessarily really told them that there's a lot that goes into being an entrepreneur and it's not just aggregating wisdom and experience from others. It's about really getting in there and, and, and having the experiences yourself. And so the more that we can, you know, help instill that in the audience, then, uh, you know, the, 
the kudos for everybody we helped weed out some of that uh some of that new emerging challenges and uh and chaff if you will um boy i might get some feedback from that comment um but but nonetheless <laughs> that's that's okay so anyway where do, where would we like to to take jessica with the last few minutes we have chris oh i i always like to throw in just a you know more of a personal um you know, a few questions, and it's always interesting to talk about business, of course, and you shared so much insight to, um, you know, how you've uh, been able to manage and navigate through your business, uh, you know, world. What do you do for fun, Jessica? Yeah, I uh, I actually love flying airplanes for fun, so I'm a, wow. I'm a commercial uh, licensed pilot, actually, even though I never plan on uh, taking a commercial uh, airplane <laughs> pilot airline job in any way. Uh, I just thought it'd be fun to get it for the bragging rights. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, because that's not an easy task. Uh, many, just because I can. I love that. <laughs> it's many, many hours, um, many hours to, to, uh, to do something like that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's incredible. That is really incredible. Um, um, you know, skill set and uh, something that, you know, you should definitely be pr- proud of. Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, thank you, you so much. so nonchalantly, right, too. Right, I know, right? Oh, most like, people, oh, their whole yeah. career is to get their commercial. Uh, yeah, I just did a commercial license because I thought yeah. it'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually just passed it uh, this week. So you guys wow. are some of the first people I'm ever telling. That is awesome. Hi. Congratulations. That's, in fact, I haven't even told my mom yet, so wow. um, you got to send out before Sorry, her. Mom. <laughs> oh, man, i got to go back call her now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that this airs after you make the phone call. And, Thank um, you. <laughs> really appreciate, uh, Jessica, you taking some time out again. Kudos to all, all, all the things that you're working on. And, and we're going to be sure to you know, stay connected with you. And, um, you know, we have uh, certain things we're working on this year, as mentioned, uh, as well as a live show, and you know, we always like to uh, to bring interesting guests back on. And if uh, if you're open, we'd love to have you on, uh, you know, our live show, and you know, talk to some real entrepreneurs calling in and and help them solve some uh, some of their own challenges through you know your uh, your venture uh, as an entrepreneur and as a CEO of a company that you've been able to uh, to help foster and grow. So if that's uh, an opportunity, we'd love to have you on. Yeah, that sounds fun, and and also um, I'm always open uh, to talking to people, so my email is just CEO at Indonero.com, and if anyone ever felt like reaching out or sending in some questions, um, feel free to do so, and, and I'm always happy to help. That's awesome. There you go. Thank you for that. There you go, folks. Uh, to our audience, I uh, hope you grabbed some great nuggets from Jessica today. Uh, she gave you her direct um email and uh, not too often do you get a chance to you know connect with someone so take advantage of that if uh, you have anything that you know perhaps uh, Jessica can help you with uh, again Alan always a pleasure my friend I uh, love these shows and uh, this was a particularly fun one just you know watching something um, grow from uh, from nothing to something and and certainly with the evaluation and, and what they're doing from uh, a perspective of growth is just you know fascinating in a, in a very short period of time so 
again, congratulations on that um, you know success so far, uh, Jessica. And uh, Alan, always a pleasure, my friend. Likewise, Chris. You know, it really is a, a privilege to be able to you know to work this uh this podcast with you and i and i look at where where we've come from and, and where we're headed and the life piece that we're going to implement and, and what that's going to mean for some folks and it's an honor to do that so again thank you so much for being such a great co-host and a great partner in these ventures and uh lots coming and uh jessica it's an honor to have you on the show you are quite uh quite the woman and quite the entrepreneur and those are compliments in, in both rights um, oh, thank you so much. I love you, this. This is so fun. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I'm glad you're so transparent. I think that's a trait that uh, a lot of people are afraid to embark on, and it's something that you've embraced from day one. And uh, But before we let you go, I've got one last question for you. You always sure. want to leave the audience with a – not that you haven't given them lots of things to act upon and to enact in their business – but um, what one thing would you like to leave with the audience, something they can start on doing today to help improve their life or their business? Um, I would say um, go out and um, do those full surveys. I talked about that for quite a bit here, so you know exactly how, how I think about it. Um, I'd, I'd like all of you guys to go out and survey your team members every single month and to have them give you uh, very direct feedback on where they think that you're not spending enough time, attention, or um, and giving enough care to. That, that is my ask. I love it. The vulnerability of the entrepreneur. What a great trait. For sure. Well, thank you. you. It's been an honor to have you back on, or have you on, Jessica. Right. We hope you come back on. For sure. Thanks, guys. This is, this is great. <laughs> Well, thank you to our audience. Uh, of course, uh, info at thinkbullbebull.com is where you can come and provide some comments. Of course, we're aired on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, and Podomatic. Uh, I think I got everything there, didn't I, Alan? Yeah, yeah got them all. Right along. Great. <laughs> and it wouldn't be a show, folks, without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.